Looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Morning, everyone. Pass the Post, Sunday, October the 11th. Thanks for your company this morning. We're going to look back. Nathan Nixon and I are going to look back at uh, what was an outstanding day of racing yesterday and why wouldn't it be? It was Caulfield Guineas Day at Caulfield and, of course, Spring Champions Stakes Day at Royal Ram. And good meetings as well at Doombin and Morfordville. How was your day, Nathan? Salvaged somewhat by the last race result in Brisbane, but otherwise fairly bleak, David. Yes, uh, when you when you consider that I took one winner that was a nine-year-old stayer, <laughs> you know that I've had a losing day. But anyway, that's all to come later in the program when we have a look at Doombin. But hopefully you, you out there back to winner or two. As we said, it was uh, a great day of racing at Caulfield. We're going to concentrate on Caulfield first with the four Group 1s, and then we'll turn our attention to Royal Ramwick. But, of course, the big one, the big one out of the, the four, was the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas. Let's have a listen to the replay. Ole Kirk and Tagalow, they went off equal favourites at $4.20. So the leader, Grand Slam, kept them running at the 600 metres. A length and a quarter pole, and then Crosshaven for the back captain, Corelli Azar. Then came Amish boy, Campbell, into the outside as they come towards the turn. Next in the field is Ole Kirk saving for runs and would only be about five or six off the lead as they corner. 300 to go. Grand Slam tries to pinch it. Two lengths, Captain Corelli, Crosshaven. Then Amish boy, Azar. Ole Kirk down the outside, running on. Grand Slam at the 200. Azar with Big bold strides and Ole Kirk coming with it. Azar at the 100. Ole Kirk driving. Ole Kirk up to Azar. It's got it. Ole Kirk won the guineas a neck. Azar second. Third grand slam from Crosshaven. Luna Fox, then Amish boy. Next to finish in the race was Moonga. And then Captain Corelli, King's Legacy, Camborne, National Choice, Poland. Well back in the field then was Mar Marigan and Tagaloa amongst the tail enders. Yes, favourites running first and last. Ole Kirk first, Tagaloa last, but uh, he completed the Golden Rose Caulfield Guineas double. No mean feat. No, it's not. The Autumn Sun did it a couple of years back and early on, uh, was it in top swing? Did he do both, David? I think he may have. Anyway, rambling on, but it's not necessarily an easy one to do when he stretched to the mile and uh, stamps himself as... uh, I guess he's the most valuable colt in the country now, is he? Well, he is. You're a bit of a breeding buff. Just give us a bit of background of this horse's breeding, why yeah. he is so uh, valuable. Well, he's by written tycoon, who's a, you know, a sire of the moment, but he's from the family of Black Caviar. Um, his um, his mum was an unraced half-sister to Black Caviar, so it's a family of all too hard who's doing the job at stud and also won, won the guinea. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it'd be nice to be involved with him, that's for sure. <laughs> It certainly would, is or would be one man who, of course, is intimately involved with him. He's our first guest, and good to have him here this morning. We didn't think we could get him, but finally he's uh, he's been able to uh, come back to us, and he's on the line. Wayne Hawks, good morning. Morning, David. Morning, Nathan. Yeah, thanks for joining us, uh, Wayne. We heard you with, with Ray earlier on, and it sounds like that's that's it for Ole Kirk in terms of this spring campaign now. Yeah, he's going to go to the paddock. It was... Uh... Truthfully, don't tell anyone. I forgot to book him out on the float to the paddock on uh, tomorrow. It was that big a day on Friday, getting ready for uh, Saturday that I forgot to book him out. So if he doesn't go out on Tuesday, it won't be the end of the world. But uh, he's uh, it was grand final day yesterday, and he came to Melbourne, and we said win, lose, or draw, he would be going straight to the paddock, and he's going back to uh, Rick Jamison's farm up at uh, in the uh, central Victoria. 
where uh, he was bred and his auntie and his uncle were bred. So I sent me some pictures of this terrible five-acre paddock with grass up to their, up to their knees. So he's uh, deserved that, no doubt about that. Funny, isn't it? three weeks ago he certainly wasn't a talking point and three weeks later he's the, uh, the best reader on the country. Yeah, three weeks uh, since he is the talking point. We'll talk about him in just a moment, but I want to talk about the jockey first of all, uh, Willie Pike. This was a magical ride. He he elected to follow a horse that understandably he thought was the right horse to follow, Tagaloa. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. When you watch the race, you'd see Tagaloa's going nowhere, a fair way from out, so he had to uh, take an alternative route. And then it was just magic watching him weave and dive and then get into the clear. And I know you made uh, a special comment or compliment about Willie after the race. He, uh, I, I said to him after the race, I said, mate, the half mile, I said, you went back to the inside. He said, well, all of a sudden Craig uh, had him, uh, given him a few slap-ups, tag alone. He said, I'm out of here. And he said, he said, I went back to the inside and he said there was a gap coming. I can foresee it. But he said, no, nah, I'll play the advantage, or, you know, play the percentages and go out wide and he still would have got through the inside if he had of uh, had it gone there, but he is. What did my father say to my brother yesterday? He said, oh, he's a good young bloke." Michael said, "Dad, he, he's, he's probably thirty-five to forty years of age." <laughs> I actually asked Will. I said, "How old are you?" He said, "Thirty-four," yeah. but he's got the shoulders of, a, of of an older man, and he rides the old style. He rides like a you know a '90s jockey, like a D. Gauchier or a Stephen King, a Darren Beadman. He's and I referred to him yesterday like Damien Oliver. When Damien Oliver comes to the home corner, whether he can win or whether he can't win, Damien never gets him off the bit. He never lets him go. He keeps him balanced. And he might only run only run the fifth, but he always keeps the bit in the horse's mouth. And Willie Pike's exactly the same. And his manager said to me on Friday, he said, oh, he said, he said Willie's so excited. He said, but the one thing about Willie is, he said, when he's on the good horses, he said, he's just absolutely Joe cool. So... Fast forward to yesterday, and you're about to leg him on, heading towards his fourth winner. And mate, we were just sitting there, just chewing the fat before the race, and he was absolutely cool bananas. You know what I mean? Mm. So you got two minutes to go in a grand final. You're on the short price favourite in the Caulfield Guineas, so it'd be like in a NRL grand final, one point down. You're 20 metres from your try line. He couldn't care less. And but you know, when when you're in the big uh, when you're in the big game, you got to have the guys that just are cool heads and just do all the right things because they just lose it for that split second. It's uh, the difference between winning and losing, isn't it? He comes across to me, I don't know, and I know you probably haven't had a lot to do with him, but he, he comes Correct. across he comes across to me as a refreshing type of jockey in the sense that uh, there's no spin, there's no BS there. In fact, I think one of the quotes attributed to him yesterday, he said, they all talk about doing the form, he said, he said, well, I get behind what I think is the right horse of the race. He said, it's gone at the half mile. He said, that was real good. So then we're going to go for plan B. But he, but he, but he talks the, he, he talks common sense. And, and well, that's, that's the impression I get. And just from what you've said, that seems to be the yeah. case. Very, very down to earth. Uh, his, manager, his manager, Dale, I know very well, because Dale used to uh, manage Greg Childs mm. 10 or so years ago and got out of the industry and then <clears throat> has been doing Willie in Perth. So when... When Willie come over, I know Dale well and good guy. And, and he was telling me about him. He said, mate, you win a big group one. Dale will want to go out in the casino or somewhere in Perth. Willie will grab his wife, two kids, go out for dinner. Next day, get up on the farm, get on the trail bikes and just be just by himself but with his family. And that's what he is. He's just a real down-to-earth guy. And 
35 years of age, he sort of talks like he's 65, but doesn't say much. But when he does, he speaks proper sense. And you know what? We're gonna we're all good at the BS when it suits us. But he's just a terrific bloke to be around. And he doesn't drink. And he and I said, would you have a drink? He said, oh, if it wasn't COVID, he said I'd be happy to go and break my rules. So he'd be. Uh, I said, I don't know him that well, but. Incidentally, Grant Williams, a trainer from Perth, walked up to me and elbowed me as far as uh, we can't, you can't shake hands over here in uh, Victoria. And he said, uh, I'm just going to give you one piece of advice. I said, what's that? He said, get stuffed. You're not having him. He said, he's coming back to Perth <laughs> with me. I said, mate, I'm going to be doing my best. I said, you and Bob, you've had him for long enough. I said, I reckon we could get a little spot over here in Victoria. And Rick Jamison, who bred uh, like Cameo all too hard, Ole Kirk, said, mate, what about getting him over here? Rupert Lee, Chautauqua's owner said, oh, how good would he be coming over here? So he's got some big boys already chasing him, but uh, I think with his lifestyle in Perth, that probably suits him. But where it might work for him is, uh, you know, like next autumn, coming over to Melbourne and Sydney for mm. four or six weeks of a carnival. It'd be good for racing if uh, a guy like him could come over and, uh, and do that. When commercial reality says that this time next year, Ole Kirk will probably be in the breeding barn. So between now and then, is it a matter of preserving his value now or is there a way of further enhancing it? What's what's the mindset with a, a valuable cult like that from this point on? Well, two of the main owners in the... Well, the three main owners are Rick Jamison, who bred the horse, Neil Werrett and Colin Madden. And Neil Werrett and Colin Madden had the uh, unfortunate task of owning a filly called Black Caviar. <laughs> and that's why they uh, they bought this bloke being the uh, the nephew. So the first thing Colin Madden said to me was last night, we've never told you what to do, but in but in June there's a really good little place called Ascot. <laughs> and they all get over there with their top hat and tails. And he said, I know you look like the man from the Monopoly uh, game with your top hat and tails. I'm thinking, yeah, he's right. That's it. It's, that's probably the only way, to be honest, Nathan, how you yep. probably could enhance his value by taking on the world, so to speak. But yep. look, he's going to the paddock tomorrow, win, lose. Well, as I said, he's going to the paddock. So the bottom line is, what do you do with him in the autumn? Personally, if he was retired tomorrow, because if he if he was in England, he'd win, he'd win the Derby or one of those great races and they'd just retire him there and then. Mm. uh, We don't do that in Australia. We keep them going. But we don't have a three-year-old series in the autumn. The Golden Rose was a nothing 20 years ago. The Coolmore on Derby Day was a nothing 20 years ago. Caulfield Guineas was always the grand final, whereas you've now got the the three races in the spring. We don't really have a grand final for our three-year-olds in the autumn. And what you find is that you actually end up starting to take on the older horses Sprinters, we run in Lightnings and Newmarkets and Oakley Plates. And we did this. Oh, well, he's followed all to Art, his uncle. He won the Caulfield Guineas and went on and run second in the Cox Plate. He came back and what did he do? He, uh, he won a Futurity in Yeah, yeah, he had, a, he had a temperature and he'd won the Futurity in the CFR and then finished with the um, All Age. Uh, the All Age Stakes. Yeah, correct. So you can only, he probably can't be worth any more, but I suppose you just got to keep your value. But Gee whiz, it's a, it's a hard game, the old stallion game, because as soon as you get beat once, geez, I reckon there'd be five million that just drops off your price tag mm. between two minutes ago to now. So it's big stakes if you win, but certainly uh, it's big losses if you get beaten. I won't say who, but one of the big stud masters in the Hunter Valley said, well done to those boys, because he said, I would have nearly cashed out <laughs> and tried to syndicate him after the Golden Rose. So he said, they've got a big set of you-know-whats, and good on them for taking on the Caulfield Guineas. 
Just before you go, of course, the success with Willie uh, wasn't just all about Ole Kirk. Dirty work won the Scalacci, last to first. Any uh, talk this morning or yesterday about the Everest? Look, it's, it's, it's there, but <clears throat> I'd, I'd probably say doubtful. Mm. Not, I'm not saying no yet because we're just letting the dust settle, but he's down in Melbourne. He only got here Wednesday morning to have to turn around and do a U-turn and go back up the highway and everything. There's probably a little race at Mini Valley called the Manicato Stakes, which yep. is a 1,200-metre Group 1 race. And he's a Group 2 weight for eight winner now. He'll go and stand at Spendthrift uh, in Melbourne 100%. He's, he's good enough to be a stallion now, and he's probably one of the best-looking horses I've got in the yard. So he all he can do is just win the Group Well, not all. It's not going to be easy because they never are. But he just if he can win a Group 1, if you're in third or fourth in an Everest with a horse like him, it won't help his value any. Mm. But I reckon if you won a Group 1 like a Manicardo, it would enhance his value. And he's a son of uh, Ritten Tycoon. He won a 1,000 guineas, the Caulfield guineas, and uh, Dirty Work won the Scalazzi yesterday. So he's uh, he's on fire. And the other good mare, the Mars, have got Pippi. She's by Ritten Tycoon. So he's had a hell of a two weeks, Ritten Tycoon. So he's, he's by the right stallion at the moment, Dirty Work. Wayne, that was yesterday. Uh, throw forward to next Saturday. Can you win a Caulfield Cup with Master of Wine? Rupert Lee was, was very happy to ring me and tell me that um, the horse the last year, so was a lot of honour the guard, the horse of uh, Lloyd Williams, Danny O'Brien's yep. Order of the Guard, was it? Order of the Guard. Uh, yeah, Order of the Guard, sorry. It's uh, not, probably not going to run, yep. which then pushes us back in the field because... Rupert Lee part owns um, Master of Wine, but he part owns Chipata. So Chipata pushed Master of Wine out, right. and then now we're back in. So Rupert said, what do you think? I said, well, if he doesn't make the Caulfield Cup, I said, no use crying over what couldn't be and wasn't meant to be. I said, we could do Geelong Cup, Melbourne Cup. I'm not against that. So he's in the Caulfield Cup. He ran enormous in the Maccabi Neva. He probably should have nearly won the Turnbull. I thought him and uh, the Freeman was warning were the two best runs out of that. Uh, the race he's been set for is the Caulfield Cup, and he's on song master of wine. And back in the autumn, we know what he can do on a wet track, and there is rain forecast for Friday and Saturday. So if we happen to get a wet track, that's going to make his chances even stronger. But he's certainly winning chance in a race like the Caulfield Cup, and I know that's a big call, but he's a pretty good horse. And uh, you know what? We haven't had much good luck. We don't need any bad luck this Saturday, put it that way, and he's going to be hard to beat. Wayne, thanks for your time this morning. A great day yesterday for the stable. I know it means a lot. And, uh, again, always appreciate your time on Past the Post. We'll chat soon. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Wayne Hawke's joining us. Talking about Ole Kirk and dirty work. Time's on the wing. Let's go to the Caulfield Stakes. Russian Camelot was expected to win. That's why he was at $1.40. Let's see how it panned out. 600 metres to go. Galo Shop is about to step it up from Harbour Views. There's been no change in the order. Russian Camelot's been stalking them. Now three wide. Oliver about to niggle. Two lengths Humidor. Then Lavendi and Arcadia Queen are splitting those. Up around the turn at the 300. Galo Shop kicked into the bend a length and a half. Russian Camelot down the middle. Then Harbour Views. Arcadia Queen is running on. 200 to go. Russian Camelot has a race. Arcadia Queen coming at Russian Camelot. Russian Camelot. Camelot, Arcadia Queen. Arcadia Queen first look at 2,000 is going to turn over Russian Camelot. Arcadia Queen, a length and a quarter Russian Camelot. Humidor third from Harbour Views. Then came Galo Shop and last of the six combatants, Lavendi. 
Well, as I often say, the glorious uncertainty of racing, not that it was a surprise that Arcadia Queen won, but just by virtue of the fact Russian Camelot was $1.40, was expected to win. But I think I've got to say, and Bob Peters is about to join us, the, the owner of Arcadia Queen, you've got to say fairly and squarely Russian Camelot had his colours lowered. He did, and he and it was by a mare that we knew for so long as how good she is, but she's had these problems, and it just must have been so satisfying for everyone involved with her to see it get back to that level of form yesterday. Well, I'm sure the next gentleman we're about to speak to does feel very satisfied because uh, she was back in winning form and beating a, a boom horse. Bob Peters has been kind enough to join us on the line. Bob, good morning. Good morning. And obviously, uh, as we've just been outlining, uh, uh, not a great thrill as such, but uh, great to, to see you know, your opinion and the stable's opinion vindicated with this mare that, that we saw her at her very best there yesterday. Yes, it's been a long haul. Um, November the 2nd was the Golden Eagle last year when she went down in the race and got up and ran a very gallant race to come home and run fifth. And uh, I think the adrenaline did that to her and um, she tore all, all lots of muscles and things all up through her back end. And um, we got her home and we were working on her every day and didn't get a sound or, or ready to go back into work until about... May, end of May, into June. And um, and then she got to Melbourne and started to get the problems with her stone bruises and things, so she's been a bit of a headache. <laughs> I remember we spoke to you in March after you won the, the All-Star Mile with, with Regal Power and you spoke at that time whether you, you weren't sure where Arcadia Queen was at and whether you'd get it back. How close did you come to, to pulling the pin on this campaign when, when things started to go wrong? Well, it was too late for her to go to the uh, breeding barn, so... We just kept persevering. She, I suppose, when we were watching the race yesterday, the tempo was only fair. Uh, it was it was a, an average speed being set by Galo Shop, and there was Russian Camelot poised right there on the scene. You're behind it, but obviously, watching the race coming around the turn, um, I think many started to think, "Well, Arcadia Quinn is going to now, you know, at least make a race with Russian Camelot," and she certainly did. Yes, I think um, Russian Camelot wasn't really suited by the race. He seemed to be pulling a bit early, and uh, that can take a bit out of them. Uh, she starting to look like she, you know, she wanted to pull, and luckily William could settle her a bit. She did, still did pull a little bit, but uh, once she got out in the clear and got a clear run on a nice um, track that suited her, it was a good good result. So that puts her firmly in Cox Plate contention. Now, Bob, is there any further improvement to, to come in those next couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know about any further improvement. The way she pulled up was really, really well. Everything was was uh, right with her. She was obviously fit for this run, and um, she'd missed a bit of work and a, a race on the way through, and I think she was just finally fit, and um, she did the job. I, I wouldn't think there's much more improvement there. I think that's just her. Bob, just before you go, just talking about a couple of other of your runners yesterday, Superstorm in the Turak, a great finish from near last to run third. Uh, what's the immediate plan? When's the next start for him? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm going to have a look at the logistics to get uh, he and Windstorm up to uh, mm. Sydney. Um, I haven't really gone into that. I just wanted to get this week out of the way. It's three weeks to the Golden Eagle, so I'll have a look and see what how that's all working now. Um, it's a bit of a hard task to go from Victoria. It's the 
I'm told the horses can go, but the staff can't. And so we'll have to uh, look at some sort of a plan and see whether it's possible or not. Just a comment from yourself, Bob, on William Pike, who you've had this long association with, to see the sort of day he had there yesterday at Caulfield. Your thoughts on that? Oh, yes, he's been riding for us since he was about 16. I think he won a Perth Cup for us when he was an apprentice. Um, we we know how good he is, but um, he has had a lot of luck in Melbourne. And um, from what I'm told, I don't get onto social media, but from what I'm told, he had a few knockers there and um, he proved them all wrong yesterday. He certainly did. It was a great day at the office. Bob, also a great day for you and the team. Congratulations on Arcadia Queens win. And, of course, the other horses running so well. Windstorm, a brilliant finish to win, and Superstorm really good on the T-Rack. Continued success. Thank you. Bob Peters joining us this morning. It's interesting with Windstorm, uh, Golden Eagle, mm-hmm. uh, 15 to 13. Um, Arcadia Queen, 21 to 7 for the Cox Plate. Yeah, and she... Well, she looked gone, didn't she, David? It was sort of she ran in that mare's race second up after the setback. She ran well that day, but I think it's it's great for the race to have a horse like her back. Mm. Um, you know, ratings people have been saying for eighteen months how high she rated when she won the Group One eighteen hundred in Perth, and then some funny spring preparation last year, wasn't it, with the the, the Everest tilt and then things going wrong with the Golden Eagle? But it, it's the right race for her, so it's. Great to see that she's going to be there. The market hasn't changed with Russian Camelot too much. Just a slight drift, 280 out to three. Now, we just spoke before we spoke to Bob. I thought he had every chance. Uh, there seems to be a school of thought. I don't know even Bob mentioned it, but I heard it yesterday. Maybe even Danny O'Brien might have said, well, I, th- I think, no, he was, pretty, he was pretty fair. He said, you know, we were beaten by a better horse on the day. I know there was the suggestion that he pulled a bit hard with the, the moderate speed. What did you think? I would think there's no way in the world you could take $3 now in the Cox Plate. Look, you'd expect to get better, especially when the internationals arrive on, on Cox Plate Day. So um, I'd say he'll he'll continue to get out. But it's not like he ran poorly, but he's bumped into a top-class man. Yeah, and I think you make a good point. It certainly opens things up as far as the Cox Plate is concerned in two weeks' time. Let's continue our look at the Group 1s at Caulfield yesterday. We're going to get out of the Turek Handicap. So Buffalo River, 650 metres to go. Looks to keep them running from here. Two lengths, Sir Coney, and has a few off the bit. Arkanar Star behind them from Harlech, Age of Chivalry. Sikandrabad going backwards, passed by Mr Quickie on the fence, tracked by Chief Ironside. Cascadian behind them from Sosi Bon. So it's Buffalo River going for home in the Turak at the 250. Two lengths, Arkanar Star, Mr Quickie, Sir Coney, Chief Ironside and Superstorm. Buffalo River, Mr Quickie wearing it down. Mr. Quickie takes the lead from Buffalo River, then Chief Ironside, Superstorm, and it's Mr. Quickie for Jamie Carr. Won the Turak, second Buffalo River, third Superstorm, Age of Chivalry, prominent for fourth from Arkanar Star, Chief Ironside. Next to finish in the race was I Am Superman, Sosie Bon, Cascadian, Junipel, Sakoni, Reykjavik, Mandela Effect, Sikandra Bad Beaten, a long way from home, and Harlech was one of the last. Mr. Quickie went off at $21, Jamie Carr in the saddle, and uh, he beat them comprehensively. Uh, it, was a, it was a clear-cut win. His trainer, Philip Stokes, is on the line now to have a chat with us. Philip, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Congratulations. A bit of a U-turn, obviously, with Mr. Quickie after the Underwood run. You elected to, rather than go to the Caulfield Cup, head to the Turek. Yes, um, it's turned out to be the right decision. Um, I think there's a few factors um, 
yesterday, like he fought, like second up, he got a wet track, got back, just doesn't seem to be as effective on wet tracks, and he got a good track yesterday, and that I think that also helped with the you know brilliant ride from Jamie Carr. Phil, that's his first win since the Queensland Derby last year, but he he'd run well in some of the top Group One races over the past fifteen, sixteen months. But there must be huge satisfaction seeing a horse like that bounce back to winning form. Yeah, it is. You know, like like you said, he's been racing at the elite level. Um, he's a backmarker that needs luck, and he hasn't always got that luck. Um, and you know, I think we're finally working him out, just keeping him a bit fresher and to the mile. I think you know we'll get a lot better results and. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming to the race on Saturday, like I was pretty confident his work on Tuesday was great. Jamie came out and galloped him, and he just looked like the old quickie, you know, dragging, dragging with his strapper around, and he just had his game game face on, you know. Um, Phil, you, you made an interesting post-race comment that I just want to expand upon, and uh, you would, it refers to Jamie Carr, and you mentioned that uh, going with her, you. Mr. Quickie might have been looking for a, a jockey with, with softer hands, being a, a female jockey. That's something that's often been spoken about. And obviously you place some place a lot in that in that theory. Yeah, look, so he's always had, you know, the aggressive riders on him like Johnny Allen and um you know, and he, I think sometimes these older horses, you know, I think you know, they've getting you know, I just think they should get a little bit sick of it, you know, and um to her credit, like she got him out of the barriers, that's something he hasn't done since his two year old days. Um, and just being those couple of pairs closer, you know, just really helps in these group ones. So the next plan is the the, the Cantala. Yeah, look, that's a logical step. You know, he's a group well, two multiple group one winner now, so um, that'll be a tough race. But the horse loves Flemington. Um, he's run, run some really nice races there in the past, and he'll be super competitive again. Another Group 1 placing there yesterday, Phil, Instant Celebrity was beaten for the first time, but she still ran well to, to place third in the 1,000 guineas. Huge run. Um, I think if Craig had had his time again, he would have rode her differently. Um, you can't be going... You know, she had to loop the field. She had to do it the hard way. She was entitled to peak on her run. I still think she could run the mile out. Um, I think she's. we haven't seen the best of her. She's going to be a lot better in the autumn once she furnishes some more, but... She's a very exciting filly, um, and she won't be long before she wins a Group 1. And just before we let you go, hasn't this horse come a long way in a short time, Octane, and again, very good yesterday in the Scalacci? Oh, that was a big step up weight for age. You know, he's jumped a few grades. Like, if it, if it had been a handicap, he would have been giving those horses 10 kilos. Um, so that, that's been a, a remarkable turnaround. So he came into us, obviously everyone got sick of the horse. One of the owners stayed in, Ken McDonald bought everyone out. 40,000, $1.4 million yearling. Um, we trialled him up here and said, oh, I don't know, don't know where he's fit in. So we sent him to Adelaide to Adelaide Stable and credit to Tommy and Kayla. Like, they really got the horse. We started him off in very low benchmark races and he went through his grades. Now we are, here we are at Group 2 level, you know. Exactly right. Well, a good day yesterday, spearheaded by Mr Quickie and the Turak. Good luck during the carnival. Thank you very much. Philip Stokes joining us this morning. And yes, Mr Quickie, Seems a long time ago since that Derby <laughs> win. Well, it is, I suppose. Yeah, and this time last year we were talking about Melbourne Cups, and look, he left them with no excuses, David. 59 kilos, and he tailed them up. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Buffalo River led them up second, as we mentioned, with Bob Superstorm, a good run to finish in third position. We're looking back at Caulfield yesterday on past the post with the Group 1s. Let's go to the 1,000 Giddies. We've just been talking about instant celebrity. She ran third. The winner was Odium.
400 metres to go in the 1,000 guineas. Vangelic goes for home from Night Raid. Odium into the clear. Then Aidensfield Thermosphere. Hungry Heart looks flat. Then Equimenical Personal. Instant Celebrity winding up wide. Odium went to the front. 200 metres to go. Skipped away. Two and a half personal and Instant Celebrity. But it's all Odium. Odium clear. And Odium has won the 1,000 guineas from Personal Instant Celebrity Equimenical. Then Agreeable Hungry Heart. Behind them Thermosphere for the back Mozzie Monster, a gap to rock my wand, Aidens Field, Vangelic got tired, Night Raid and Love Sensation was last. Odium was having only her fourth start for her third win. Michael Walker was confident going to the race. His yeah. confidence was justified and he gave her a good run just off the speed and she was there to strike at the right time for Mick Price and Mick Ken Jr. I see Mick Price being quoted as saying he, he describes Mick Ken Jr. as the hamburger with a lot. He said he can do everything. He said uh, and he's courteous, he's uh, well-mannered. He said he's even making me say please and thank you now. So he gave him a big rap after the race because they've, they've been in partnership for well, over a year now, I think. And that was the first group one for the partnership, I believe, yeah. Michael Walker, in an, in an interview through the week, I think he said, to, well, you will be speaking to me on Sunday. He was hugely bullish and I think she was sort of around the $17 mark at that, at that stage. Hungry Hub was the favourite at two sixty. They put the blinkers on. Uh, Bowman sort of gave himself half a slap. He said he, he tried to dig her up and she she reacted. So he sort of blamed himself. But uh, she's had a, a you know a pretty solid preparation too, hasn't and she? And she was on a seven day backup from a pretty brutally run um, flight stakes. Having, having said that though, the, the winner of the flight stakes it didn't bother her yesterday. So just going into state proved a, a bridge too far for, for Hungry Heart on that quick backup. Chapada won the Herbert Power. Yeah, as we touched on earlier, Order of the Guard has gone by the wayside and um, Chapada gets his way into the Caulfield Cup. He's got a terrible winning striker at Chapada, but he's been good the last last few months. He's really lifted to that level he showed as an autumn three-year-old. Well, Team Hawks, they have an embarrassment of riches. There's one we didn't mention, Zabrowski. Zabrowski. Yeah, um, I'm not sure is he going to the Caulfield Cup or not. I think Wayne said earlier on he, he, they might pull up stumps with him. I see one of your horses won yesterday at Caulfield, Fiesta. Yeah, so I uh, wasn't smart enough to stick with her. But um, she's another one. She put the writing on the wall last time and she broke a long, long run of outs. Haven't won for a long time. Mm. These mares, they can, they can traipse around the carnivals. Waller's got a habit of doing it. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're not the, the A grade. They're not the top shelf, but they can find races for them. And and uh, she proved profitable yesterday, Hugh Bowman writing. So that was the meeting at Caulfield, a great day of racing. And, of course, uh, as we've outlined, we go to Caulfield Cup Day next Saturday. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Thanks for your company this morning on Past the Post. Just before we leave Melbourne, let's check the temp fixed market in the Caulfield Cup with Anthony Van Dyke at $5. Very elegant at 6 Finch, 11 Master of Wine. Speak with Wayne Hawks about Master of Wine, $11. Buckhurst, 13 Dallas Sand. 17, Dashing Willoughby, 17, Mugger 2 and Toffee Tongue and Warning, all at 17 and Chapada, 21, Prince of Aaron, 21 and wider after that. Any early thoughts? I think Dallas Sand will run a race. Yeah. It's a similar profile to the, the stable, mate. Is it Southern Speed who won the course? Southern Speed, yeah. Mm. Craig Williams Road. Ran well on the Turnbull. Let's turn our attention to Royal Randwick. The feature was the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes and the favourite. There was a real market correction here. Montefilia went off the favourite. The Flight Stakes winner on the seven-day backup and she was at $2.70. 
Top of the straight now, Achiever and Love Tap go to the front together with Lions Roar. Bucharest back to the inside and Montefilia working into the clear and starting to build up the revs. Lions Roar takes the lead. Montefilia giving chase. Lions Roar in front from Montefilia in the broken clear from Love Tap. Lions Roar still in front. Montefilia, she has to dig deep the filly and Montefilia claims the two group ones in a week. Montefilia ran down Lions Roar and a gap back to Bucharest third. Followed by Favreau and Lions uh, love tap. Then came Miraval from Cherry Tortoni into Chiva. A gap back in the field to Socrates from Street Dancer Wirt Timer. And Gorshin was the last to finish. We had the pleasure to speak with David uh, Payne last week after Montefilia won the Group 1 flight stakes. And seven days later, here he is with us again. Can't get any better than that, David. Two Group 1s within a week. No, definitely. It doesn't often happen, unfortunately. <laughs> When we were talking last week, you said it was simply a matter of if she uh, reacted well and ate up well and did well, uh, you'd proceed to the spring champion. Uh, so obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but during the week it was all all systems go, no drama at all? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, on the Sunday morning I went up to check her feed bin. It was clean and she never left a note the whole week. So that was telling me she's fine. Lovely ride by Jason Collett. Uh, had the good barrier, of course. Gave her a good run near the fence. The tempo was good and into the clear at the right time. And a- again, we often watch these replays and hindsight's a wonderful thing. We say, oh, well, you know, she was never going to lose. But in the run, watching the race from your point of view, you must have been on pretty good terms with yourself. Well, I was a bit worried coming into the state if you notice she goes in and there's no run. And thank God they shifted out a bit on the outside of those four or five horses, and that's when she was able to peel, peel out. But if she was held up, she wasn't going to win it. So, David, two group ones in seven days. Do you now press on to Melbourne with her? Uh, it, it, it depends on the filling. We'll see how she is in the next uh, week. Uh, you know, that's three weeks off, so we, we've got time, time on our side. So we'll, we'll just see how she is by our first acceptance and then, then decide. You used that race a couple of years back to the spring champion straight into winner Victoria Derby. So uh, I guess you're hoping you might, history might repeat if uh, if she's still on top of the game. Yeah, no, look, if she's on top of the game, she, she won't run again until, until the Oaks. You know, she's fit and ready to go now. We'll let you go there because there's really not much more to say. You've got a, a Group 1 winner uh, uh, on two occasions over one week and there's a possibility maybe of another one coming up. So enjoy the enjoy the moment, David, and continue good luck with Montefilia. Thanks. Thanks very much, gentlemen. I appreciate it. David uh, Payne joining us this morning. The reason um, when she came to the outside, it was simply Cherry Tortoni couldn't keep up at the point, no. so he gave her a cold. And uh, Love Tap, who was the... Initial favourite, yeah. and that's just worth commenting on, Nathan. Uh, you, you study these trends. Uh, we do see market corrections sometimes, but we rarely see it in Group 1 races of such a significant nature. This was a real turnaround, wasn't it? It's, it certainly was, and in the end, the market got it uh, 100% right. There was a couple of things. Rob Waterhouse made Love Tap his lay of the day on, on Friday. I think he's got 12 of those in a row now. He puts out on social media on a Friday. And I think you'll find that Tom tipped the winner quite strongly too. And guys like that can move a market, David. Mm. Yeah, just for those who mightn't have been fully aware of the, the background, Love Taps went up the early favourite, but in the end, uh, they were like got out to as much as five dollars before running at four eighty. A modifelia 
Ram the favourite at two dollars seventy. Just speaking of love, tap hard to find an excuse. Good run, couldn't capitalise on it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's come a long way. Love tap, but um, uh, yeah, the best best horse in the race won the race, didn't it? Yeah, the Victorian visitor Cherry Tortani. He, he uh, earned respect, but um, you'd have to say on face value, he was uh, a disappointing seventh finishing midfield. That was the spring champion, but several other feature races we want to have a listen to and talk about, and particularly this next one from a Queensland point of view. This is the, I suppose, dress rehearsal. Well, when I say dress rehearsal of sorts, it really wasn't because a lot of Golden Eagle runners weren't there yesterday in the Silver Eagle. In fact, only seven went to the post. And uh, as we predicted on radio yesterday morning, Alligator Blood, you were going to get a lot better than odds on, and you did. $2.50 was the starting price. Chat and surreal steps, stride for stride at the top of the straight. Three lengths clear from Alligator Blood being stoked up. Flit gets going. Dawn passage to the outside. It's Chat and surreal step coming back to Alligator Blood and Flit chiming in. Flit's coming with a good run. Moved up on the outside of Alligator Blood. It's Flit and Alligator Blood fighting it out clear from Dawn passage. Flit just in front and Flit goes on to win the Silver Eagle. Beat Alligator Blood. Third of photo between Dawn passage and Chat. Ice bath closed up with subpoenaed and surreal step was last in. Flit for the Godolphin having the uh, the trail, the stalking position on Alligator Blood and then gunning him down late. A long neck split them at the end with Dawn Passage making up ground for third. Your thoughts on Alligator Blood? Well, the top of the straight it looked to me like he was going to run fourth or fifth. He was he was gone. So that 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 great heart that he's got sort of kicked in and he, he's, he's no doubt going to be further improved by the run, David, but it will be tougher in that Golden Eagle. And um, look, I'll, I'll come around to your way of thinking here. And think, look, horse to me, it just seems like Probabil and Funstar have got the right form. I think they've got the benchmark form currently for that Golden Eagle. Obviously, we still don't know whether Probabil goes there or the Cox Plate, but I think that form is probably a level up from what we saw yesterday. I think Alligator Blood is still the. He is slightly, but he still is the the slight favourite. I was just looking for a market there now. Well, here it is. uh, Actually, well, things have changed a lot. Um, He is the favourite, but he's a lot better than what he was even last night. He's now at $6 alligator blood. Fun star at 8. Bivouac's there at 11 with Flint at 11. Wichita 11. Batiga 15. Crideras 15. Dog Passage 15. A lot of them around that $15 or $16 mark. Two things about alligator blood. Um... I don't think David Van Dyke has placed the highest expectations on Alligator mm. Blood this time around. And what I, what I mean by that is, last campaign during the autumn, he was so upbeat and so bullish. This time, he's played it down. He's played a lot, uh, played a lot lower key. Would you mm. agree with that? Definitely. Even dating back to the trial, um, mm. he, he was up front in saying he expected a little bit more, and Ryan Maloney sort of backed that up, but. Um, I spoke, I sp- yeah, I spoke with him Monday morning on Press Room and, and he was quite frank about it. He said the Silver Eagle will really decide where he's at. Mm. Uh, so I think he was ex- uh, was hopeful of a win, but not certainly, you know, it was a past-the-post proposition. The other theory worth talking about, and a lot of people are coming up with this, and of course they do when horses start to get beaten. Mm. Many are saying the form around alligator blood in the autumn was not super hot. Well, it certainly hasn't been franked to any extent yet. You sort of super storms run well in a, a two-rack. You said about it was a handicap who 
obviously finished second to him in the Australian Guineas. Catalyst got injured after one run. So it's perhaps a little bit unfair to be too damning on that form, given that those ones around him haven't had a whole lot of opportunities. But by the same token, David, there's not ones behind him that have jumped up out of the ground mm. measuring up. Flint could go to the Golden Eagle, but no guarantee. No, they've got the Oaks winner, the Godolphin, that is definitely going to the Golden Eagle, and another one. Collette. Bivouac, I would suspect, runs in the Everest, and then maybe they go to a, a sprint classic at Flemington rather than stepping up to 1,500 metres. Yes, the other option for Flint, of course, is the Group 1, which is actually Group 1, the Empire Rose at Flemington. Let's go to the, the Roman Consul. Only a small field, in fact, a disappointing field of five, but this race holds interest from another point of view. Uh, Wild Rule is your favourite, 160. And Asami just being nudged along a fair way out. Asami a length and a half trying to quicken here from Wild Ruler. Then came Doubtland as they swing for home. And Asami in front by a length on Wild Ruler who travels up very strongly. A length for the back to Doubtland and two off to one the lead. Wild Ruler takes a clear lead now at the 250. By two lengths on Doubtland who sticks to the task. On the lead sticks to the task but Wild Ruler's going well and showing no signs of stopping Wild Ruler. Goes on to win the Roman Consul from on the lead and Doubtland third, Asami fourth and Red Stiletto last. Well he's been good this time and he won the Heritage first up and then the, the Roman Consul yesterday at Group 2 level. Timers were quick yesterday, they often are at Randwick, 1907 34.03. Paul Joyce made a great comment yesterday, he said, I think it was a dollar ninety. Wild really, he said, this will run shorter he said, because it's going to just be up in the controlling position whereas Doubtland will be back and that's the way the market played. Um... Listening to Wayne Hawkes about dirty work, mm. there seemed to be not too much confidence about an Everest star there, so Wild Ruler might be the, the P. I know that there's, as a fact, there's discussions going on right this minute between connections of Wild Ruler and the, the Chris Weller camp who've got that last remaining slot. So he seem, seems to be the one that's most likely to go there. Um, I mean, it's, it's a huge step up, David, isn't it? Um, what would, is there more to lose, or could they set him more for a cool more, which is worth... You know, millions as a stallion prospect rather than going around an Everest where, you know, let's face it, he would be big odds next week. I think J-Mac was trying to head them in that direction with mm. the Coolmore pretty right. seriously. So that, that seems a good race to, to my way of thinking. Yeah. You, you, you would think so. You would think oh, that would be the case. It would be a bridge too far. Uh, he's certainly, though, I, I think taken a step. We saw him here mm-hmm. as a two-year-old during the winter and he was, you know, wanting to get it all over and yeah. done with. but but uh, far more mature now and relaxed, and that's been shown in those two wins. Interesting point about, uh, I'll speak with Ray Thomas about this tomorrow, but interested in your thoughts. Chris Wallace left it really late. It's like buying the uh, the, the Christmas present on Christmas Eve and hoping the store, thinking the store's open at 5.30 and think, oh, my God, it's not open. Well, it fell into place for them last year being it late did. to the party because I think they had one of Bob Peters' Uh, mares, if you remember, locked in early on and she went by the wayside and lo and behold they get yes, yes, yes at the, the last minute. So it went in their favour last year. It would seem that uh, history's not likely to repeat for them. Things can happen. Let's have a listen to one of the other features yesterday. This was also for three-year-olds. It's the Group 2 Stan Fox. 
they put the 600 metre marker behind them now and Peltzer rolling along Jet Propulsion Berry starting to feel for him Global Quest right behind then came Acrophobic Prime Star revved up and Sammy last Peltzer's got a few of these off the bridle a long way out it's Peltzer two in front Jet Propulsion the wheels are spinning a bit then Acrophobic and Prime Star four off them winding up Peltzer two lengths clear from Jet Propulsion Prime Star is knuckling down to the task now it's Peltzer in front of Prime Star the outside Peltzer in front from Prime Star Jet Propulsion and Peltzer sees it out Peltzer won it by a length to Prime Star and a half head back Jet Propulsion Acrophobic really digging in at the end then Global Quest and Sammy was last in he controlled in front Peltzer not a lot of gas left in the tank but the time's there on the board but as we often say with Royal Ramick the times can be fast 128-1-1 home in 35.06 but can't knock the record. Seven starts, four wins now. Yeah, that's right. And but another example of how strong that Ollie Kirk form is. Um, you know, he was sort of five lengths off Ollie Kirk. There, he was three and a half off uh, Rothfire in the run to the Rose, and that's probably about the level. They were the highlights from racing at Royal Randwick yesterday, and of course, next Saturday is the big one, the uh, the Everest. We've been talking about it for a long time. Let's just give you the latest market on Tab Fix. You can bet now. Classic Legend 450, Guitra 5, Nature Strip 6, Libertini 7, then Behemoth 13, Bivouac 13, Tafani 15, Farnan 17, Eduardo 18, Trekking 18, Santa Ana Lane 21. They're the 11 in, one spot to fill. Let's go to racing at Dooman yesterday. We had another well, delightful day weather-wise. A good crowd at uh, Dooman for the... Queensland Cup, but the first race we're going to listen back to was a good sprint. It was virtually a, a mini week with most of these races in the week, but a fortnight ago they clashed again yesterday. And Red Chase, who was the runner up in the week, but went off favourite at 350. The Odyssey tried to slip them at the top of the straight. 300 left to run. Red Chase has to come after it. Then Jane and Tom. Spirit's Choice. Fiery Heights and further back. Boom Sarah. The Odyssey still in front. But Jane and Tom. She's plucky. She's laying down the law. Jane and Tom went straight by the Odyssey. Wheatwood one day. Doom in the next. Doesn't matter. Jade and Tom won easily. Beat home the Odyssey. Third Red Chase from Spirit's Choice. Then Freddie Foxtrot. Grey Missile. Spectroscope. Boom Sarah. Love you Lucy in his stride. Fiery Heights. And Mr. Barbaloo's last home in 1905. Jade and Tom, she's a little beauty. Seven-year-old mare by Roth say that was her 28th start yesterday. And one thing about her, she's a winner because she's now won 12 of those 28. And Andrew Mallion's been fortunate not only to partner in the Wheatwood, but he rode her again yesterday. And uh, Andrew's been kind enough to join us on the line this morning. Andrew, congratulations. Thanks very much. Morning, boys. Good win, good win yesterday. The thing that amazed me most, mate, was the price. She, no one wanted her. Six dollars fifty out to ten dollars after she towed them up in the wheat. But oh well, she uh, yeah, she didn't. Uh, she, she had no idea, and she she won like a twos on pop. Exactly right. Like in the wheatwood, she drew the outside gate. She covered ground, and she was simply too good for them. Yesterday, you've come up with a better gate. Just tell us about the run. You, you you had a good run, just a bit better than midfield. Always confident. Yeah, well, the um, obviously um, in the Wheatwood, we, we yeah we, we drew the car park and we, we probably relied on um, you know a bit of bit of tempo in the race and um, obviously a bit of luck. Um, you know, being able to to tuck in and um, that, that 
you know, I was able just to use. She's she's got good tactical speed out of the um, out of the machines, but um, I was able just to um, you know slide across in the, in, the, in the wheat wood, and, and then obviously yesterday, you know, drawing drawing barrier two, she she just sort of um, she bounced out of the machines and, and was able just to, to put herself in the right spot without without having to do an ounce of work. You've won four from five on her now, Andrew. So it's, it's a good combination you've you've got with her, but it's also a good combination you've you've built with uh, Lindsay Hatch. It's working out well for the both of you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um it's it's always nice to to, to click with a with a trainer that um you know that, that gives you you know plenty of rides and support and um really appreciative um to Lindsay and and his team up at Toowoomba to um you know be be able to um. You know, ride ride some nice horses and and um, you know um, ma- maintain a, a really good relationship. So um, I, I'm really appreciative of the opportunities. You're you're only as good as as, as the stock you're sitting on. So um, yeah, really really appreciative of, of the uh, of the support he's given me. That's a good comment you make there. I just come back to Jaden Tom that uh, you know, often horses get raps and reputations and booms on them. Here's a mare that. Let's let's face it. She's been extremely well managed by Lindsay. The fact that she's seven, she's only had twenty-seven starts. I know there's been issues. Well, she's twenty-eight starts. She's won twelve of them. Uh, and as Nathan said, um, you've won four out of five on her. She doesn't seem to get the the accolades she really deserves because at the moment she's low flying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I wrote her. I, I started writing her, her last preparation, um, and it's just amazing. Um, just how much she's improved, you know. You normally find that, you know, old, older mares, they, they what you see is what you get. But she, she feels like she's improved, you know, like, like a young horse's, um, like when the penny drops. You know, the, the way she let go yesterday um, was probably arguably better than what she did in the Wheatwood. So um, it's very exciting, and, and 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 like you touched on, she's been, um, you know, she's been very well looked after. Um, I, I've always I've always thought that every time I've ridden her, um, she's been well placed and. Um, you know, Lindsay's very methodical. You know of what he does with her. He, he he doesn't run her unless he's happy with her, and um, you know that's that's what good trainers do. Just underlining David's point there, she's won three of the last four, and the prices she's gone out at, at the winning times is twenty six dollars twenty one and ten. So certainly underrated. Just a comment on yourself, Andrew. We've seen you here in southeast Queensland for for some time. You're here to stay now. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've really enjoyed the last twelve months. It's, it's been. Uh, Pretty much 12 months to the day, um, actually, which is, which is, it's it's, it's flown. It's um, you know, it's it's been a really good change for me and my family, and uh, yeah, we're, we're enjoying it. And um, you know, obviously, uh, we we timed our run quite well, um, leaving Victoria, um, and um, yeah, the last the last 12 months have been fantastic. And yeah, we, we we're uh, we're here to stay. Mate, continued good success. Thanks for joining us this morning. And don't let anyone else get on Jade and Tom. You're on it for life. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers. Andrew Mallion joining us this morning, based at the Gold Coast, getting good opportunities and certainly getting an excellent opportunity with Jade and Tom. And, uh, yeah, like like $10, there wasn't a cracker for her. And fair to say, uh, you could make an excuse for anything else on the race. Yeah, just another race I got wrong, David. I, I thought she was up against it. The, the handicapper slugged her for the, the win at Toowoomba. We sort of had a suspicion that Toowoomba form would live in a world of its own, but it's stacked up. The, the Wheatwood Quinellas run first and third, and the Odyssey bouncing back. Kelly Sweetest said he felt he's still not the, the Odyssey that 
he yeah. knows he can be still not as good as he was, but at least he did bounce back there yesterday. And probably Red Chase looking for further now. The feature was the Forex Dry Queensland Cup at listed level. We had a couple of Sydney blow-ins, and one of them was the favourite, Fun Factor 260. A packing field. The Queensland Cup comes up to the home turn, and Fun Factor's the leader. He's being urged along by Ormond. He's responding. Free fly two now on the premises, and Grey Lion coming up three wide. Albert can't go on. Start home dropped off. Fun Factor immediately under pressure. Grabbed by Free Fly two. Grey Lion on the outside will have the last shot, and Fastnet Cyclone. He's running on gamely. Grey Lion in a duel with on the inside trying to battle back Free Fly two. Grey Lion's in front. Grey Lion. Grey Lions Queensland Cup beat Free Fly 2. Third either Fast Net Cyclone or Fun Factor at every chance. Then Ready for Danger, Stardome, Sabatabus, and Alwood turned in a shocker, won the Toowoomba Cup at round last today. What, uh, what cup hasn't Grey Lion been in? <laughs> you listed a lot of them this morning. Yeah, I went man. through it. So there's, um, some ex- they haven't missed him, but um, look, he was obviously well placed, David. Um, way down in grade. Um, Matt Smith's done a terrific job with him and uh, I liked Robbie Frad's quote. Uh, what do you say? A 56-year-old and a nine-year-old. I love it. <laughs> well, I did too. See, he was the only winner I tipped on the day. So, <laughs> so there it was. Grey Line beating Free Fly Two. He'll certainly win a, win a race soon. Runner-up in the Toowoomba Cup. Runner-up in the Queensland Cup. And fast in Cyclone just keeps racing yep. well. Yeah, he certainly does. Fun fact: looked uh, to have his chance in fourth. The two two-year-old races. Uh, I don't know if a lot came out of them. Time suggesting they're not uh, a brilliant bunch. Um, no, the times didn't jump off the page, but what did come through was that set of trials at the Gold Coast has been uh, an outstanding uh, form guide. The, the Breeders' Plate winner last week and then the, the two uh, respective winners there yesterday at Doom and both came through that same set of trials. Just a quick one. Shaluna was the favourite of the Phillies $2.80 and, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I fell for the trap as well. Uh, it It looked as though she began brilliantly in the trial at Eagle Farm. But you can also use the other line. The other three were slow out. Yeah, that's right. And and, and so so it was visually deceptive. But I, she didn't begin as brilliantly as she looked as she did at Eagle Farm, and, and she ran in fourth. That were some of the highlights from Dooman. We're in the home straight well and truly now. We're almost at the winning post, on past the post. But let's have a listen to the listed Hillsmith Stakes at Morfordville. Casino 17 showing them a clean pair at the 300. Three in front, so you can crown mint. Ain't no deal done's winding up, passing phase, and then Victoria Key. Casino 17's hoisted the white flag. Ain't no deal done. Victoria Key with a late burst. Ain't no deal done in front. Victoria Key's trying to reach her, but ain't no deal done. We'll get the deal done. Ain't no deal done from Victoria Key. Passing phase and then deep strike. A gap in the field to, at the head of the rest, the Brumby. So you can crown mint. Casino 17 gave plenty of cheek. Dalgano towards the back is Zeppa, Talamo and the Olympians last. I think my colleague was under a bit of yes. pressure there in the run-on, Brett Davis. I hope he's OK today. I look, ain't no deal done. Ran short $1.65, Dom Tenor riding... For the Freeman brothers, coming off a sale maiden win, but obviously well-placed against this company. I see it's uh, second favourite in the Victoria Derby, but listed as doubtful. Mm. I uh, I think Steve Hewlett was talking about that yesterday, that even if it won, it did, you know, may not be going to the, the Derby, but certainly getting the, the listed job done at Morfordville yesterday. Well, we've run out of time. Well, time has beaten us, but yes. thanks for this morning and look forward to you joining me tomorrow morning on Press Room. Thanks, David.
Nathan Exelby with me this morning here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company as well. We've covered plenty of territory and uh, it's only going to get bigger and better over the weeks to come, of course, next week being the Tab Everest at Royal Randwick. As my producer laughs and the Caulfield Cup at Caulfield. That's all ahead of us, but press room tomorrow morning. Look forward to you joining me then. Bye-bye.